Hello, this is Matt Hale bringing you Art Monthly's talk show on Resonance 104.4 FM. And before we go any further, I want to say that this programme is based on a magazine called Art Monthly, to which you can subscribe. We offer a special discount to Resonance listeners. It costs £25 per year, which is 10 issues, and it saves you £19 on a standard subscription. That's the magazine subscription, which also brings you a digital subscription where you can search all the archive of Art Monthly going back a long way. Just go to www.artmonthly.co.uk slash resonance and you will find a special offer there for you. Thank you for listening to that. We will now get on with the show. I'm introduced in it. My name is Matt Hale and I'm joined today by two writers from Within the July-August issue of Art Monthly, they also write uh, other magazines, as well, other issues as well, but Chris Fight Wasilak. Chris, I hope I got the fight bit correct. You did, yes. Hello. Hey. He's a writer and curator and joins me here today with Nick Warner. Hello. A curator based in London. Hello, Nick. Hi, how are you doing? Okay, very well. Now, you've both done reviews, and we're going to talk about those beginning with Chris's, um, which Art Monthly named London Roundup, um, although... It sort of is a roundup, but it does begin, doesn't it, Chris, with a symposium you went to at the showroom gallery in just off Edgware Road, I think, in um, North London. Yes. And who, who, who organised that symposium? Well, so the symposium uh, was sort of an end uh, event for a year long curatorial series organised by Toby Huddleston for the Crate Gallery and uh, an artist run space in Margate. And so he had been taken on as the curator for the past year running these series uh, of exhibitions under the umbrella title of exhibition as medium and so this was the event to mark the end of it to discuss what had happened and also to kind of get each of the uh, artists involved with each of the projects to talk about uh, what they'd done what their, well. their experience of it yes 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 and and um you mentioned, I think, someone called Jana Graham. Yes, Jana Graham is, well, these, uh, I don't know if she's comfortable with the word curator, but she works with the Edgware Road Project from the Serpentine Gallery. Yeah, you call her educator and researcher, Yeah, that I think. was kind of her Which is pretty particular. Her. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but she's been doing a lot of sort of public outreach projects and sort of community-based projects uh, with the Edgware Road Project. And um, so she gave a sort of interesting kind of history of ways people could approach exhibition making uh, in terms of you know, bottom-up structure. I mean, she she takes as one sort of guideline the uh, education theorist Paulo Freire, who in 68 wrote a book about pedagogy of the oppressed, and he was mostly writing from, a, I think, a South American perspective of how uh, these systems of how people are taught perpetuate uh, systems of poverty and exclusion. Um, and so generally it's kind of a top-down system. And so she was proposing other models of where uh, say culture with a capital C could be dealt with, and how uh, people, uh, say, audience members, quote unquote, or um, you know participants, could then be more involved in the whole process, so that it would become a, a mutual thing rather than culture being imposed on them. As in the sort of standard gallery model, you mean, where the audience yeah. come and they just get, you know, uh, well, they're just witness to a process, let's say. Um, yeah, they, they don't actually affect it in any physical sense particularly. No, they're just kind of being told what, say, I think it's more noticeable in sort of big museums because that effect of people being told what culture is and what art and high art, let's say, is. And in the, the Edgeware Road project, do, do you know, 
a little bit more about what they do? I mean, do they do this this method that she's talking about? Well, then? it's it's quite Use an it. open experimental platform. I mean, they did have a show within the Serpentine Gallery itself uh, a few months ago that was some of the say end results of artists working with people in the community. But I mean, uh, uh, Janet Graham's seemed to feel kind of uncomfortable with that idea of there being an end result in some sense. So, so even, yeah, I saw that exhibition. It, it, it didn't, for me, come across very well. I'm not going to talk about the individual bits, I can't remember who they were, but my impression was that it, it was almost as if it had been forced a bit, that yeah, what was presented, well, rather than... Well, I mean, I think uh, Graham was very uh, honest in just being, you know, in these sort of publicly funded situations, they require some sort of visible output sometimes. And I think with hers, they've been moving to different temporary sites and just trying to get people involved in different ways. And that doesn't always yield uh, visible, you know, objects that can be displayed within a gallery space. So... Um, yeah, she was still very much in the middle of this, and she it seems to imply that it has to be always in the middle of it, essentially. As a uh, principle, almost. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, that, that's interesting. And you, you mentioned Dave Beach, didn't you? Yes, yeah, so Dave Beach uh, gave a, uh, a sort of talk from afar. Now, Jenna and Dave both were sort of keynote speakers throughout the day. Then I guess Jenna opened the day, and then Dave was uh, just in the middle of the day um, giving a talk as a sort of disembodied head through a Skype Risky business. Uh, yes. Well, yeah, it did get cut off in the end. But um, he'd begun talking about how people get addressed, I guess, and how you greet somebody um, and how that becomes then a relationship between the two. So he was talking about uh, the ideal uh, viewer, let's say, um, then being a kind of a certain form of guest. Um, I mean, he was he was kind of criticizing this idea of the activated spectator. He didn't want to be just an active spectator. He wanted to be kind of pleasantly confused, but also in this sort of guest relationship with the art. So so slightly more subtle um, definition, of, in a way, by, by, by sound of it, like want, wanting to be affected, yeah. but, but not passive. Is that, would that be...? Yeah, I mean, well, this is... Because he got cut off, it's <laughs> partially sort of... Uh, Toby Huddleston's uh, explanation of where he was going with the whole thing as well. Yes. I mean, he, he was giving various examples of, uh, I think there's an old television show where people go, you know, Howdy, Howdy Neighbours or something like that. And then um, he was talking about that Italian film, uh, Caro Diario, Dear Diary, where the guy's uh, kind of addressing the, the viewer of the film at the same time as talking to people within the film. And that, that idea of how you then greet somebody becomes part of the tone in the process then as well. Just just quickly, n- Nick, um, to bring you in a little bit, y- yes. your review, uh, which is of Outpost Gallery, which, which we'll talk about a bit more in a little bit, but the, the, the actual description of one of the bits of work in your review is about the, the setup of the artwork as a kind of greeting, and That's literally right, yeah. people, someone did greet them, didn't they? Yes, so Joel Homburg, who's one of the two artists that showed at Outpost for this particular show, is very much interested in that audience kind of curator dialogue and that that role of the audience as guest and he actually had uh, invigilators greeting every every entrance entrance to the gallery with uh, congratulations you are the latest visitor and there's this kind of um, diorama piece set up as a kind of greeting which was actually originally set up as a greeting for a UPS delivery man who was bringing a box to the space which was then consequently one of the one of the bits of work but they kept that greeting or exploded it up bigger to yes make it. exactly yeah was it originally that size or was it actually a smaller no, post? I, don't, a... I don't think it actually references a specific original it's it's made up of these um of just taped together sheets of paper and has this 
UPS, we are here, scrawled, scrawled on it. But the idea um, maybe grew out of the practical reality. Yes, exactly. So I think the idea grew out of, uh, out of the relationship that Outpost have with a regular UPS guy. Um, okay. that, that delivers stuff frequently and, and this... Who normally goes unrecognised in, 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 in an exactly, exhibition yeah. sense or in, in a public sense. Yeah, and that's something that maybe I'll talk about a bit later uh, in the context of the exhibition, uh, something about trying to reveal or make transparent some of the curatorial processes or some of the kind of unseen production roles Yes, that is an interest of these artists, I think. Well, I hope we can be clever enough to come back as we're saying we're going to. It doesn't always happen, but we will. <laughs> yeah. I just thought we couldn't not bring that in in a way because no, it was I so think, yeah, a, yeah. directly a, a, well, connected, really. It's definitely yeah related because I think uh, what Dave Beach seemed to be getting at was this, you know, not just the greeting aspect of somebody being hailed and then involved, but also the tone of the greeting of like how you get greeted. So, like, say the one in Outpost sounds like quite a formalized, yeah, formalized, but also uh, very superficial in a way. Yeah, exactly, because yeah. you yeah. you would come into the gallery space and have this invigilator. I mean, I went to the opening, so it's there's lots of people there, and I'd go in and this invigilator says, "Congratulations, you're the latest visitor." And somebody else, and then right away, it's saying it's someone right behind you. You feel kind of betrayed in a way. <laughs> you're not special. Yeah, exactly. No, but you're made to feel so momentarily. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, after, sorry, Chris. Well, no, I guess. Well, I was just thinking about if if. If it's kind of dependent on those those tones of address, then and I think it was quite interesting then, uh, say throughout the day, just to return to the symposium at showroom because um, it, it he went through sort of six different projects of ways that you could curate a group show, let's say, and one was a bunch of curators receiving instructions from an artist from afar, and they actually made the show. Again, that happened at Outpost in that show as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then um, so these various things were like a group show that was meant to show one person's work let's say or kind of embody one person's work and then the reverse of like one person's work becoming a group show and then uh people being kind of forced to work together let's say to make a group show without any end and it what struck me is that even though these ideas were set up as uh sort of I good ideas of how testing what a structure could be they were still quite imposed from the top i mean i think Toby Huddleston had a very open platform in mind, but then perhaps it was also just because we were being presented this at the end, that this, again, was like the finished product that was being presented to yeah, us. So there's an element of contradiction going on in the whole thing, but yeah. it's almost inevitable contradiction, perhaps. Well, exactly. I mean, this is something that we ended up having a, a, a good discussion of at the end of the day, um, of just the, the paradox of this uh, Margate-based project that was meant to be a sort of very much open, exploratory project and very much you know, self-forming, but then at the end of it, it still has to be packaged and re-presented. It doesn't have to, but for a London audience, then this sort of dislocation. At the symposium, you mean? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then, I mean, it, I think it's it resonates a lot with just the way, say, influential exhibitions then just become part of the myth, and that's how they become influential is the in the storytelling. And so... I mean, so one comment that got made at the end of the day by Neil White, I think in the the magazine it got written as Ian White. Sorry about that. No, I'm sure it's my fault. But uh, uh, it was just sort of a passing joke is that the symposium itself then becomes the medium rather than the exhibition becomes the medium. So this is how we're getting to know about these shows. I didn't get to see any of the shows at Margate in Crate. I don't know if any of you guys have been... No. So this programme is implicated in this as well, probably. Yeah, well, yeah, in now way, we're, we're, we're part of the programme. We're adding yeah. to the programme, yeah. Exactly. We? Yeah. And so, yeah, it's this kind of contradictory idea that these things sort of grow from the bottom up, but then they still have to be packaged and retold in a certain way to to be that. I yes. Guess. You, 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 
as we said, the, the, the review was entitled by our editors London Roundup. Well, yeah, so, so it was having using... gone to this symposium, you, you, you then went... Well, I think you said, said at the beginning the gauntlet was thrown down early in the day. Uh, you then... So this was a busy day you had. It was a long day, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but then it did get me thinking about other things that were on at the time that were very much whether they made an, an issue out of it because I guess Toby's uh, program very much uh, foregrounded this idea of process and then just looking around at what was on at the moment, I just used the symposium as a kind of guiding light to look at what else What was you happening. chose to go and... Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there was uh, Gino Saccone's uh, solo show at Supplement where he was essentially using the space as a kind of studio towards making a, an e-card at the end that's still going to be released on the website. So it's almost like the, the show itself it doesn't have a point, let's say. And then the Gareth Jones set of work in Raven Row where it's kind of all a bunch of feel like very provisional structures, sculptures kind of put together, crammed in a small space. I mean, these are very much maybe more familiar modes of process, but I think they're always around us. And so it was kind of using Crate's program as a way to sort of shine light on those things as well. Yeah, I mean, they certainly process is quite high up on the artist's agenda yeah. and revealed in the exhibition. I mean, you mentioned the, the, the um, Gino Sarconi show. He, didn't he? you imply at one point in your review that the works were arranged almost disappointingly for the 3D um, experiencer so that it almost looked as if the image to be taken at the end and then that would go... As he was always aiming towards it appearing online. Yeah, well, is that I right? Guess I'm still, we still have to see what the end result will be. Uh, so okay. I'm kind of quite interested to see that. But then he was changing it slightly throughout the whole thing. So but it's a it, moving show. Yeah, I mean, there was sort of a plinth with a projector with the light bulb blocked and a few sort of small ceramics on the floor. But everything else was kind of you know flattened against the walls or on the floor a bit as well. Yeah. And so, yeah, you wonder... I mean, obviously, he's thinking about that translation from 3D to 2D yeah. as well. Yeah, if he brings a tripod in with a camera to look at it, you know, daily or something. Maybe, yeah, and then, but obviously that translation from digital to physical or, you know, the back and forth of that as well. I mean, he'd made a preview for the show as well that was just um, this odd kind of baloney floating around on <laughs> an odd space and these kind of Kermit eyes looking around from a champagne glass. It was... Uh, fun but you know the, whether these things actually connect up you don't no, know and in the end it's the whole really by the sound of it from the beginning yeah to or the pre-beginning to yeah. the very end for, yeah. a, for, for a judgment if you need to make a judgment Duchamp wouldn't necessarily approve of that but <laughs> <laughs> judgments aren't allowed apparently according to him <laughs> I read recently um but, but and then also you went to sorry you mentioned uh, the, the other show uh but there's Patrick Keeler's. Yeah, the Patrick Keeler one, I thought was it was mo- almost the most formal example. But it this was, is at Tate. Tate this Britain is at Tate Britain. It's still on in the uh, is it Devine? Devine Hall. Yeah, just I think it's on for another few weeks still, and it's essentially the research that went into the third of the films in the Robinson series, uh, Robinson and Ruins. Yeah, from 2010, and um, I mean the film itself is quite slow paced and quite dense but then this unpacks it quite nicely and he kind of curated some of the Tate collection into the show to, ha- to have these sort of historical analysis. Yeah because you mentioned um, critical pastoralism which I which I fascinated by that I have well, to say. I think he's, he's very much into this idea of how landscape is represented but then getting into the politics of that and so I mean, mean he, the politics of how it's represented well not just that but also like who owns the land and why it's, okay. it's represented in a particular way oh just way. The, the actual stuff itself yeah yeah I mean he seems to I guess this is the implication that I got was that he was kind of suggesting that maybe these artistic 
possibilities of how landscape is represented comes out of these political realities. Um, so that he's kind of, you know, he's looking at where the gas lines are running through the whole country and, and the kind of how that's represented as well and then taking pictures of that. And um, I don't know if that explains it properly. Well, no, no. I mean, but the difference between, say, the, the idyllic painting of a, a particular place in England or something like that and then the reality of, of, of the gas lines, as you say, which lie underneath and all those kind of uh, issues were certainly, I felt when I saw it, were coming out yeah. to think about, not, not dogmatically. No, given, that's, I mean, that's the strength of it, is that he does sort of uh, take his research, I mean, because the, the film itself to me was almost too packed to, to kind of get some of that sense, and so this kind of lets you make your own way around it and lets you uh, get those suggestions if you want, let's say. Yes. Um, yeah, it was a good mix. and kind of, But then, it, yeah, it was the whole idea of his research then being the process that not just led to the film, because obviously this sort of almost supersedes the film now. Right, becomes it's become its own thing that I think works a lot better than the film itself. Well, no, that, but that's possible, isn't it? I mean, you know, sometimes an artist finds the, the right medium to say something in, and they have to try try a few ways to come to it. I mean, I, people who stick to one medium sometimes never say anything. <laughs> yeah, they think they are, but they don't. <laughs> I might be one of them, by the way. <laughs> so let's go back to to, to, to outpost, shall we, um, uh, Nick? We, we talked about the the piece of work. As you as you were greeted, that that was the main main work by Joel Holmberg, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. So jo- Joel Holmberg uh, for this show um, produced a number of object based works that John Raffman then John Raffman then uh, responds to and produced um, new works directly in response to Joel's new works. The show is called Rome wasn't built because no one had anything on that week. And, uh, was Have you worked out why it was June. called that? I haven't yet, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's quite a long title, isn't saying it? Rome wasn't built at all, then. Huh? So that's a suggestion, isn't oh, it? It's yet to build, be built, maybe. Um, but it's part of uh, both of these artists, as generally operating as net artists, have these, these vast and kind of labyrinthine practices that are very hard to penetrate at first and very hard to digest or bo- both kind of saturated with URLs and projects all over the place online, lots of different things you mean, going When on. you did research, for instance, for exactly. this review, that you found that? Yeah. So they're, they're, they're just, it's a strange pairing at first, because they're not, they're not artists that have worked together. And uh, John Raffman's based in Montreal, and Joel, Joel's based in uh, Brooklyn. So, so neither of them ever been to Norwich, and neither of them ever met anyone from Outpost. Or each other, we don't think. Well, I, I'm not sure if they've met, but they've not... Um, they've not they, they, they were both in a, a group show that I forget the name so, of some so years maybe, ago. But, maybe. but potentially. But yeah, the, the, there's, no, there's no particularly strong ties between their work, except going back to this idea of medium, that they're, they're both predominantly net artists. But I don't think that that's exclusively um, the reason why they're paired up here. Um, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of kind of similar grounds in the work and both of them seem to be expressing this desire to come back offline a little bit and produce object-based works that people can go into a space and interact with. And perhaps this um, kind of producing the show from a, uh, quite a significant remote di- distance is, is um, part of an inclination to not want to to get too involved in the physical production of an exhibition and still to operate exclusively online, but but know that there is a product that an audience are going in to see. Just, just to be practical about it, the the, the work by um, Joel would probably yes. have been actually 
maybe he sent the stuff by post over by UPS. Sorry, um, but then someone else may have compiled it's it, all, and they, certainly someone else arranged it. It was all instructional. I think he he composed it in his head, and there was some drawings of how it's to be laid out. But the um, so there's a, this large large print imitation post-it note that is facing the entrance when you come in that says UPS we are here like I mentioned earlier and it has these six file boxes Ikea file boxes three on either side which are overflowing with these fresh flowers which is again a further instructional as they have to be changed over every day or two because yeah, they were keeping people busy yes and the uh, the file box is waterproofed presumably to <laughs> um, and then these and then behind that there's this this long mysterious package on the floor which was what the UPS man was delivering. You can just see it in And we don't know what there. it is. Well, it was, I believe, just a box. I'm not sure what the significance <laughs> Nothing is. Nothing in it. Yeah, potentially. A parcel um, for parcel's sake. Exactly. Simply sent so that the UPS man on arrival would be able to see this. With a slightly awkward-shaped one, just to make you yeah. feel yes. <laughs> Exactly. There's a theme going there. Um, and then, and then Raffman's produced these 3D-modelled uh, large-scale large prints, which are absolutely stunning to look at which um, follow a few motifs from previous works, namely a bust, a, a, a male head bust, which is, like I say, like a 3D model that's been produced on a computer. Yeah, you mean built up from the bottom up, there's laser print no, printer so, things so or it's, something? It's, it's, it's a 2D image um, right. that's been made in, in a programme on a computer to look 3D. Oh, I see. So that if you were to be on that piece of software, you'd be able to... Okay. Move it around, and, and the ones on the it, wall. But, but these are st- these are static prints, and they're, they're busts that are textured. Um, so it's a bust is a recurring motif that Raffman uses, um, and he's he's textured them with different different images. Um, for this show, there's some UPS logos on one of them, and, and there's another one which, um, going further into what we were talking about earlier about uh, widening transparency in the in the curatorial process, there's one that's textured with. Gmail correspondences between Joel and John and um, some members of the Outpost Committee. So very specifically made for the show. Or, yeah, exactly. Or, yeah. All, all the works are completely specifically made for the show. Um, and I think it's interesting because of this this kind of uh, discussing this remote kind of curatorial courtship that, that Outpost have been kind of uh, conducting with these two artists and producing this whole show at a, at a massive distance of hundreds of, or you know thousands of miles or whatever... Um, that, that the artists seem to be um, kind of doing the exact opposite and, and like I say, trying to, to, to raise an intimacy. Uh, and Despite this this structural difference. Just while we're there, tell us a little bit about Outpost, because you, you know about Outpost Gallery. It'd be yeah. nice, nice for people to know about them. It's a, it's a, a great space, actually, quite a small space um, in Norwich, which is, for, for those who don't know, is kind of the capital city of East Anglia. Norf- um, in Norfolk. In Norfolk, that's right, yeah. Um, Norfolk. Which is where I'm from myself, yeah. Um, they've been going since 2004. Um, they were uh, um, funded by the Arts Council to set up. Um, they've got a, a rolling committee, so it's it's run by a committee of, of um, curators and, and members that change over at maximum. And they're mostly artists, the gen- they're mostly artists, aren't they? Yeah, they are. A lot of them are coming out of the art school in Norwich, um, so Norwich has always had this thing of having great arts education, but then a lot of the student population then move to London and leave afterwards, so you're left with this slight vacuous art space in Norwich. But, um, but now this so kind of thing is, is, is making it... is very important for student retention, I think, yeah. yeah. And they have these amazing... They've just opened these amazing studio facilities a couple of years ago, 
which are massive. Yeah, due, due to the recession, there's a few empty buildings in in the middle of uh, Norwich, aren't there? That's I've, right, I've been yeah. round those. They are they are cheap and big. Yes, very big. Yeah. I mean, they actually it's almost worth having a living in London and getting a studio in Norwich <laughs> if they'd let you have one because the train fare is about fourteen quid return. You could probably right. save money on <laughs> London rent. No one heard me say that. It's true, actually. It's 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 yeah, they're huge. Um, so yeah, and they have a really great program. They seem to be drawing a lot of attention from from London particularly. Yeah, but they're quite a quiet, modest, keep plodding along, doing our thing, get a reputation over time by building up good, yeah. good and interesting shows and people coming down to London from there who well, talk I think, about I it. I think the form of the outpost really fluctuates a lot because of this changing over of the... Yeah, of which the, is like Transmission Gallery in Glasgow. I mean, they have a rolling committee. It's quite, exactly. a, quite a good history of that structure, isn't there? Exactly. And I think uh, in, in other areas, they've been quite introspected and, and um, kind of keeping themselves to themselves. But I think at the moment, they're going through a phase of being a lot more outward-looking and, um, and exhibiting artists like Raffman and Holmberg, international artists, as well as members and, and uh, outpost studio holders, which is kind of their staple. Yeah, I mean, I think doing these two approaches, bringing the, the local and the sort of uh, international into some one place is a very good uh, operational uh, idea, I think. I mean, it's what, it is what Transmission Gary did, City Racing did it before, yeah. which I used to run, and it, it, it works because everybody gets to know about things they wouldn't know about otherwise. Exactly. You carry on, sorry. So, sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so, so they, they show, um, they show uh, one show a month for 11 months a year, um, which is opens on the first and closes on the twenty. That's a lot of shows. Yeah, it is a, it is a lot of shows, and predominantly solo shows, which is why it's interesting seeing a, a twin show, which is arguably um, you know one of the the more tricky curatorial models. A group show, you can kind of uh, stick it under a thematic banner, banner or, or, or kind of curatorial theme, and solo shows obviously self-explanatory. But twinning artists, you have to be very solid in in the reasons that you're pairing them up. Um, so that's quite a change for them to do that, by the sound of it. Yeah, they, they don't do it a lot. They did, um, they did do a, a, a paired show for in collaboration with Norfolk and Norwich Festival recently, which, which was uh, Gregor Heiler and Yelena Popovas. They 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 did a, a some new works in a, a post-industrial space in the centre of Norwich, um, but generally they do stick to solo shows, which is why, yeah, like I say, why it was interesting to to go and see a twin show and and also in such a small space. But it's a very interesting format being as all new works and directly in response to each other as well. Yeah, no, they, t- they t- certainly took on quite a complicated, uh, yes, risky, risky thing. Really, I think you get an insight into the complexities of it, looking at um, some of the works and um, particularly the Gmail correspondences, and having an idea about this uh, remote curation. And I think it's potentially um, it's an interesting way of of getting net art into gallery spaces because I think, as everyone would agree. Internet art, despite the massive sensation is at the moment and the huge amount of artists making that art, it does have a lot of trouble being exhibited. You can't exhibit inter- internet art well, um, other than sticking a load of monitors. Well, that's, in, that, in the I mean, that's what you would have expected in this show. It would have been somewhere in the corner there would be an, a, 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 web, a web link computer, which, which, however you do it, it's still another computer the same exactly. as they are everywhere else, isn't it? They don't stand out any differently, really. And the internet art, you know, a lot of these works are produced to be viewed. Um, autonomously on your computer at home and it from a curatorial perspective it becomes a bit pointless trying to push that into a gallery space i mean i've seen uh, there was a speed show 
recently curated by Royal College students um, called Public Access at an internet cafe in Waterloo, and they Raffman had work in that show. And that is an, the speed show is a really interesting format. I was going to ask you what that was, yeah. Um, it's, a, it's an American format of exhibition, which is a pop-up exhibition that takes place in internet cafes, usually for a few hours at a time. There's an opening type event, and then it, it ceases to exist after that day. Um, and that's, that is an interesting format because the Internet Cafe is obviously this duality space of public and private. You go there and you're, pu- you're in the public, but you're paying to have a private interaction with the computer. So, so is it purely on the computer that the, the exhibition... That... The, these speed shows are, yeah. OK. But I, was, I, I mentioned that simply because that's one of the only dynamic and interesting exhibition formats I've seen for, uh, internet, for putting Internet art into a gallery. But I think what Outpost did here is, is a really interesting new way of broaching that because they're essentially... Um, it's a performative piece of Internet art. The artists are sending instructions, sending works, and then they're kind of executing the production and making a phys- physical exhibition of object-based works. But it is very much a, a kind of performative piece of net art in a way. Great stuff. Well, you've timed that just about perfectly. There's about one minute left before we finish. So I must use that one minute talking fairly slowly to say that I think it's probably not enough time to get any really big points across. So no I'm going to thank... Conclusions? <laughs> well, <laughs> if you wish to. I mean, the only thing I was going to say about that one is there's no ending back in... It doesn't go circling back into the net, does it? Or no. does it? Or does it? Well, I mean, that's part of the internet life interaction. I think everything now, well, especially we, we with... just see the images online, right? Exactly. So. <laughs> and um, well, there will be an Outpost's website, I guess. Yeah, and I'm sure you're about to say that when you subscribe to Up Monthly, you get an online subscription as well. So <laughs> all of this is going to be <laughs> I, online. I, I meant to say that at the beginning. I think I'm about <laughs> done, but I'll say it again. So yes, www.artmonthly.co.uk/slash. Resonance, and you get a special offer for subscription. Thank you very much, Nick and Chris. Thank you. And for you you. listeners, for listening. And I hope you'll listen to us again in the future. The next programme will be based on the September issue and will come out on the second Friday live on FM in September. But then it will be on podcast and on iTunes as podcast as well, which is very, very technical, but it works. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you both. Bye-bye. Bye.